It's time to get inside the Giants huddle. Let's go, back to your huddle. On Giants.com. Tempo, tempo, tempo. And the Giants mobile app. Go, 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 part go. Part of the Giants podcast network. Yeah. Welcome to the Giants huddle. I'm Paul Dottino. Today we speak with former tight end Howard Cross to remember former Giants head coach Jim Fossil, who passed away June 7th at the age of 71. He directed Big Blue from 1997 through 2003, including the most difficult circumstances following 9-11-2001. Cross remembers. It was overwhelming. You know, Coach Coach had a lot more than what, you know, I think the public kind of looks at it as, you know, a team of record and, and a lot of great words there. But it had a lot to do with, if you think about, like, a grief counseling, uh, trying to have people, how, they, how they're going to deal with this traumatic event, um, having guys talk, you know, constantly, having people come in and talk to us. There was a lot more there than, than, you know, we were dealing with a lot of the same things that everybody else was dealing with, but we were just there, you know, on the practice field, uh, smelling the smoke of the buildings every day, trying to figure out, like, oh, my God, is it really worth being here? How important do you think it was for you guys as players for Jim to step up in that particular moment to show the leadership that he needed to do. I remember he got the call, I guess, from the government officials, including uh, Giuliani over in New York. Could you guys come over and visit with some of these people during the most trying of times? And and Jim led you guys over there to, to do an appearance, to try to help, to deliver supplies, to deliver handshakes and smiles and, and moments of thank you. Uh, I mean, I don't think anybody's ever going to forget that. I think it was more that, you know, the, there were a lot of, like, first responders, and I, I think that, it you know, beyond the, the eyesight of, of what we have or, or the media, we have people digging and, 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 and grinding, trying to find people who are who, who survived, trying to help anybody they can in this devastating, you know, incredible, uh, disastrous moment. And, they, and these guys are there working through, people walked through the tunnels, walked over bridges just to get there to help. And we, we did so, such a minimal thing by just going over there. You know, we, we went out and spent as much money as we could buying, you know, masks and gloves and, and, and shields and whatever else they could need. And if they needed extra boots, we, we bought and, and, and brought stuff over. We bought uh, pallets of water and, and, and sandwiches. And we, when we sent as much stuff as possible, a big group of guys went over and, and, you know, and delivered as much as they possibly could. But it wasn't, it, it wasn't, what we were doing that you know we were just trying to be you know as supportive as possible we weren't the professionals they were the professionals at that moment they were the heroes getting it trying to get it done and we were just there to try to like you know make sure they didn't lose hope and lose lose faith in the moment so you guys go through all of those things to try to offer whatever it is you can to help the don't play that week you come back and you play in kansas city the FDNY hats, the police department hats, the uh, Port Authority hats, and all that emotion in, in Kansas City. And then, of course, when you had your home opener against the Saints the following weekend, all the emotion there, too, as well. How how did Jim try to keep you guys together in terms of your emotions, understanding that, my goodness, it would be so easy and, and justifiably so to lose track of what it is that you're doing. Cause let's face it, Howard, football's a dangerous game. And if you're overcome with an emotions about other things, you could get hurt. I think again, you know, I can't keep saying this, but you know, having people come in to talk to us was probably the biggest part of it. I don't think that, uh, that, you know, in this day and age of, of the 
of mental awareness where, where this is really, we're hypersensitive now to, to mental, your mental health and your mental, mental, you know, state of being. It wasn't as big back then, but to have, you know, people coming in and talk to us about counseling and what you're feeling, what you're thinking about, your emotions, it, it was big. And, and it, it, it wasn't like they came in once. They were there for a while. They came back and forth. Uh, guys got together and talked about it. And, and Jim recognized that. And, you know, Jim was talking to someone probably. I don't know. Like, we all had to, you know, figure out, um, I guess, in, in short, we all had to figure out, like, hey, what are we doing and why are we doing it and, 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 and enjoying it? Like, I had just had kids. Like, my, my kids were, were, were babies, like, like a couple months old. So I was like freaking out all around thinking like, okay, is this even, you know, where I want to be? And I want to put myself in this situation. And, you know, but to go out and to try to finish the season, to go out and, and play as hard as you can. And to, like I said, just let everybody know that, Hey, look, we are still here. We're still moving. Let's keep moving. Pick up those. Let's pick up and get started as quickly as possible. That's all we could do. Fans, remember, limited Giant season tickets are on sale now for the 2021 season. In addition to ticket savings, membership benefits include access to exclusive events, experiences, pre-sales, and more. You can lock in your seat starting at just $100. Call 888-NYG-1925 or visit Giants.com tickets for more information. Don't miss out on your chance to experience a premier hospitality experience watching Giants games and world-class concerts in 2021 as a Giants suite partner. Limited full-season locations are available or place a deposit for individual games. Call 888-NYG-1925 or visit Giants.com slash suites for information. And finally, let's get vaccinated. Go to COVID19.nj.gov slash vaccine to register. Let's talk about Jim Moore as a football guy. He comes in 1997. Uh, Giants are kind of on a rocky road. You're in the middle of your career there. And in 97, in his first season, you guys win the NFC East. It was George Young's last season as the Giants general manager, and you guys wind up being a playoff team. What was the key in your mind to what Jim did to help that turnaround? Well, he came in, and, you know, I think people – you know, understate what, what it is when a new coach comes in. He came on a brand new system, came in with a brand new energy, and he wanted, you know, you know, to throw the ball up and down the field and to run the ball and pound it. And he, he enjoyed the defense. You know, he had Foxy in there from, uh, coaching the defense. I think he had Peyton as a coordinator at offense. It just was a lot of energy uh, for, for what was going on, trying to get guys up and going, and it made it fun. So when you go from – uh, you know, Coach Reeves was, was a great guy, did a great job coaching, and then all of a sudden, we had his, his bad years falling off. You get a new guy coming in who's energetic, who's excited. This is his opportunity to have a head coaching job. I'm going to do it my way. This is going to be fun. And all that energy kind of rolls over into the players. Guys get excited about playing. Guys get excited about being there. And guys get excited about their, their roles and, and what roles they're going to play with the new guy. So it's it's fun. And all of a sudden... You start having some success, and it looks even better to you. So Jim did a good job of, of you know, you know, rallying the troops, uh, bringing in a new mindset, making it enjoyable, having fun with it, and he and he got it done. 
I remember when, when Phil Sims had worked under Jim, when Jim was uh, brought in as a staff assistant to Parcells after the 90 season, although Bill left shortly thereafter and Ray Handley took over. I remember Phil saying he thought that he learned more about quarterbacking from Jim Fossil in those latter stages of his career than he had ever known earlier and wish he had known more. What was it about Jim as an offensive mind that allowed him to kind of take things cerebrally to the next level? Well, you know, every year that, that, that every everything evolves constantly. So Jim, so Jim comes into the league or, or comes back, and then at that time for Phil, we were the three yards in a cloud of dust team. We were the old school football, right? Sure. Um, we were we were just like ground and pound. Let's get it done. We're gonna you know suck the life out of the ball and, and win the game. When Jim comes in, Jim's kind of instituting the, 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 you know, air, air offense. Let's put the ball in the air. Let's, let's score. Let's get big chunks. Let's, let's move the ball. Quarterbacks love that. Quarterbacks love to throw the ball and rightfully so. So it was, a, it was basically the changing of an air when, when Jim finally started to come into the league, uh, when he, when he was coaching with Sims. And when he came back as, a, as the head coach, it just continued with that, with that philosophy. Were there things from when he was an assistant that first time with the Giants that you kind of had an inkling that you might see him again down the line and it might be at a higher level on the coaching tree? Yeah, he, he did have the personality for for the head coach. Some guys are just, you know, uh, soup, uh, uh, X's and O's. They're, they're sitting around and they're talking, and you kind of enjoy it, but that's what they're, that's what they're doing. They, they didn't. You know, it's not that they don't have aspirations of being head coaches, I, I don't think, but Jim had the whole personality part of it, as as you could see when he's talking, the way his, his mannerisms and stuff, and he's like, okay, this guy's got, he's got something, he's excited about this game, and, you know, you'll see him again down the road, and every, every stop that I saw him, man, I'm like, okay, he's moving along, it looks like he's going to get there. <laughs> Sometime later, he gets to be named the Giants head coach in 97, and of course now his quarterback turns out to be, over the course of time, Kerry Collins, who was a reclamation project, who had had some rough times with the Saints and with the Panthers, but Kerry flourished and really took his game to the next level under Jim Fossil. Could you tell us, is there something there that you think Fossil did to help bring out the best in Kerry as well, and your offense? Quite frankly, I mean, look, you guys went to a Super Bowl. Yeah, but we had, you know, you had Ike Hilliard, you had Amani Toomer, um, myself playing in the game. You had Tiki, uh, Tiki Barber running the ball. Uh, you had a offensive line that was a lot better than people would even imagine. And you had a really, really good defense. Uh, it, we had all the makings to, to put up, to bring the team together and to get us to the Super Bowl. And, and that's what, you know, Kerry got into the right situation with the right group of guys, guys that were willing to, you know, fight and battle. And you have guys like that in, in this high energy, high energy coach telling you the whole time, let's get it done. We're going to get it done and, and keep fighting. You know, that's, that's kind of what it was. You know, Jim was kind of like in, a, and I guess, you would say one of those times when the coaches kind of have that, uh oh, this might be might be my last year. I got to get it going, but I have a good enough team to like turn it around. That's the whole. I'm pushing all my chips to the center of the table. If you yes. Go. That's that whole speech, and, and it's like, hey, look, guys, we're a good enough team to 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 be in this thing. We're a good enough team to get into the playoffs. We're a good enough team to like go a long way. But if we don't go, you know, I'm gone. 
And let me tell you something. If I'm gone, probably going to be a lot of you gone because if we're good enough team and you're not doing it, it's not just me not doing it. It's you not doing it. People look at that. People remember that. Let's get, let's get it going. So either you're in or you're out. Who's in? Let's go. And people basically showed up. I remember the, the pushing the chips to the middle of the table, and this team will make the playoffs. He was very insistent about it in the press conference that week. You guys were 7-2 and two, uh, at the beginning of that season, had some rough losses to the Rams and the Lions at home, and then Jim makes that proclamation, and the whole press room was a buzz. Now, look, it makes for a great soundbite and a great TV clip. Did he talk to you guys about that before he talked to the media, or were you guys as stunned when that came out in the media as we were when he delivered it to us? Nah, he had talked to us about me. He, he was, you know, that was a, the mantra of what was going on. That was, that was the big moment that that was happening with the team. Like I said, if we if we were failing, if we had if not have made it, I don't think Jim would have made it through the season. Like if, you know, we were seven and two. We looked promising. And all of a sudden, it just looked bad. Like, and it looked really bad. When you say bad losses, like the, the press was killing and the press was killing all of us. And like, oh, you know, maybe this Jim's lost the team kind of conversation. And then all of a sudden Jim's like, you know, that, that's crazy. Don't read that stuff. We're like, we're in this thing together. Like we got, we won seven games, guys. We won seven games. Like we, we are in this together. Like I'm putting it all on the, I'm putting it all on the line. Like I'm going to say it out loud. Like I'm not, I'm not hiding from it. Don't you hide from it basically. It's, it's kind of how it was coming across to us. So yeah, it was pretty cool. So you guys go out and you thrash the Cardinals to, to end the two game skid, wind up winning five in a row to finish out the regular season to go 12 and four. And you know, uh, was there anything besides the emotional temperature change that he was able to execute in the media or were there things that you guys did on the field differently during that home stretch no you know just you have to remember that that remember the carnivore in our division back then that that's how far back this is yeah yeah so like you're you're seeing different teams and like i said it it just we just had a, a better offensive line a better defense uh when when need be we could run the ball better than anybody in the league. You know, we could rush over two, 220, 250 yards in a game. We, we could do a lot of different things. Uh, I think, uh, we had, like I said, a, we had Kerry swinging the ball down the field with money. Ike, uh, I think even Mitchell was part of the team and even Coach Campbell, who's, who's now out at, out at, out at, uh, uh, Detroit. I think we, we had like a lot of, a lot of good players, a lot of, a lot of talented guys and we made a lot of plays. So you guys go 12-4, and four, you go into the playoffs, and then what happens? Oh, my goodness. You, you take care of the Eagles, and then you wipe out the Vikings 41-0 in the NFC Championship game at Giant Stadium. Howard, look, I, I've been to many a big games. I've been to many places that rocked. That place rocked in that win over San, of, of uh, Minnesota when you destroyed them right from the from the opening get go. How much does that game kind of you know come back to you every once in a while? Because it was certainly one of the greatest moments in Meadowlands history. Well, you know, sometimes when you, when you watch things and, and what, what, what's lost to the to the public and stuff is you don't really understand like like why things happen the way they do. The Vikings were were a super explosive team, but they were. You know, Chris Carter tell you they were a front running team. They would get out early, score some points, and all of a sudden, uh, their defense would, would rip you apart because you were like 
dropping back to throw the ball every down. There was nothing you could do to catch up with that, you know, the Randy Moss and, and Chris Carter duo with, with, with Dante Culpepper back there just slinging the ball. And people, we were just, we were just in chase mode the whole time. You could never keep up with them. What coach pointed out to us in, 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 in film session is like, just watch the defense. I'm like, okay, well, you know, we're working on just watch the defense. And we watched clips where, you know, because they were so far ahead that they were just rushing the passer, but the secondary was just like, they weren't even anywhere near the right position. And he showed us like three or four clips, and he goes like, what are they doing? And he goes, yeah, they're, they're getting a sack, but what if they didn't get the sack? What would happen? So it would be a touchdown. He goes, we could score 100 points on these guys. He literally said that, and I never heard Coach say that in a in a football park in a football meeting. And then he walks in, and Coach Fossil starts smiling and walks out of the room. And, and we sit there and look at each other like a hundred points. And that's kind of like the kind of feeling we had for the entire game when we walked in. The defense was fired up, like, "Hey, yo, you guys start scoring, they'll never get a, they'll never catch a ball." Uh, they'll never make a play. I'm thinking, like, how are you going to stop Randy Moss from, from making plays? Like, the field was kind of cold. Uh, back then, it would think the field was still frozen. And, like, they just couldn't handle it. They were an indoor team. They just couldn't handle it. It was freezing. We were, Their defense wasn't prepared in the secondary. We were, like, torching them left and right. And the crowd was going crazy. And the, the louder the crowd got, it seemed like the more points we scored. It was just crazy. I remember Kerry Collins telling us after that game how he remembered in those days it was a fax machine, right? And he remembered getting the game plan from Sean Payton that, that him and Coach Fossil had designed coming over his fax machine early in the week, looking at it, understanding that, oh, my God, this game's really going to be on my shoulders because we're going to go out and, and attack and wing it. So, so, so I think I think the game plan worked pretty well. <laughs> yeah, it, it was it was pretty it was pretty uh, locked down. I think I think that'll be one of Coach Fossil's greatest moments with the Giants that game specifically because it was just all the stuff that that, that could go right uh, being the last probably big game in the stadium. Everything that that could go right went right. It was perfect. Could you compare and contrast the feelings of what you guys felt at seven and four after the two game skid compared to the feeling of raising the NFC championship trophy at the end of that Minnesota game? I mean, is there any way you could have imagined, Howard? Maybe you guys knew that you were good enough and you could turn it around, but certainly you were getting beaten up outside the walls of the stadium at that point to then have the ultimate prize in your building that you're going to go to the Super Bowl. Yeah, you know, I, I think that, you know, again, it, it's hard because we're, we're, that's part of the job. You got to talk to the media. You got to, got to share information. You got to do what we're doing now and talk. But inside the walls is what, what matters. It, do you guys believe in each other? Are you, are you supporting each other? Are you willing to fight for each other? Like what, what's going on? Like I think a, a big group of us would go out to dinner every Thursday night and, and have dinner together just so we could all try to, you know, Break bread together to, to keep our mindsets in the in the right direction, pointing in the in the right direction the entire time. And it it, it kind of, and I think it was just groups of, and it wasn't just groups of like offensive linemen. It wasn't groups of offensive players. It was mixed groups of guys that would go out to hang out. So they the, the camaraderie was there. That the, hey, we're going to get it done was there, and it it got done. It was fun. So when people talk about Jim as a players coach. 
you would define that more as he set a good environment for you guys, understood how to handle the media, and understood how to make sure you guys gelled? Is that like more of where his strengths lied? Although we do know he was a very creative offensive mind with the X's and the O's. I think the, the term player coach is a, is a misused term. I think all coaches are player coaches. I just think that they're, the, the way they go about it, it makes, makes some players happier than others. I think some guys are taskmasters and some guys are like higher energy, you know, like a Pete, like Pete Carroll out there in, in Seattle. High energy guy. This guy's like a hundred years old. He, he's still running up and down the field, screaming <laughs> and yelling, clapping his hands. And people say that's a, that's a player's coach. But at the same time, you have players on this team like, man, this guy's crazy. Like, but you have Bill Belichick, who's won a billion Super Bowls, and 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 Saban, who's, hey, just do your job. They're player coaches too. So, like, you don't get the idea of the player coach. I think that the environment that Jim created was a fun, like, more lighthearted environment, uh, an environment built on, you know, a lot of trust and being adults and let's get it done and let's, let's keep the energy up. And he was more the let's keep the energy up guy when it comes down to like, you know, players, coaches kind of atmosphere. He made it exciting and fun to come into the locker room and get it done. It wasn't always, okay, we got, there's going to be some rough work today. It was more of, okay, let's go do this. What, what, do, what does he cook up today? What did, what did he cook up today for us to do? Let's, let's go try to figure it out and have fun with it. So, so if that's what Jim meant to the players and to your locker room, what would you say to people outside who say, okay, Jim Fossil was the Giants coach for seven years. What was his major contribution to the organization? He was the guy who probably ushered in uh, more than anybody else, the passing game. I, I think that, you know, if you watch the Giants through the years and, and what's happened and, and how it kind of developed, he was a guy who was the, the, the transition from like the, the, the devastating, tumultuous run game to like moving it into the passing era. He kind of helped usher us, us into that moment. You, know, you got to think about coming up with the, you, you lose Sims, uh, you got Hosteller. We're still basically running the ball. Hosteller kind of gets, uh, Kent Graham, Dave Brown, um, uh, Danny Cannell. And, you know, we had a couple passes here and there, but nothing really crazy. Then all of a sudden you have Kerry Collins and we're swinging the ball, swinging the ball, swinging the ball. And then you bring in the you know, Kurt Warner for a hot second and you got Eli. The passing game is, is, is here. Like it, it, you can see, like, like really, he is the the person that kind of helped that transition. Our thanks to Howard Cross for his memories of Jim Fossil. You can find this show and our entire podcast network on podcast platforms everywhere and at Giants.com slash podcasts. Until next time, I'm Paul Tatino. So long, everybody.